Good morning. We're delighted to have you here at worship this morning. Old friends and new, please pick up the friendship pad and pass it along everyone to everyone in your pew. Um, please sign in so we are aware of your presence uh, and we can greet each other during the course of the service. If you wish to talk to a Stephen minister confidentially, the Stephen minister on duty today is Barbara Smith, and she is available in the narthex. I had a request for a reminder that in the bulletin this morning is an information, an opportunity, uh, some information on health care. Uh, please fill it out, fold it in half, and put it in the collection plate this morning, and we'll be able to reserve uh, handouts and like that for you. Uh, Diane, do you have an announcement to make? Good morning, everyone. When you see me up here, you usually kind of think, uh-oh, something's happening with Habitat for Humanity. And you're right. We're about to start our sales again for our Thanksgiving pies. We will begin next Sunday taking orders out in the fellowship hall. The uh, pies will be delivered on November 25th, which is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And we hope to have everything ready that people can pick up their pies by noon. So if you're heading out somewhere to travel to another destination, you might be able to pick up your pies in time to take them with you. Uh, the pies are going to be $16 this year. There's apple crumb, apple raspberry, pumpkin, and the Christmas crumb, which is an apple cranberry pineapple combination. There will also be an apple crisp, which comes in the loaf pan, and that is $12. Something new this year is a corporate sale. And this will be for pies delivered to corporations. So if you have a business of any kind or a company, corporation, whatever, and you would like to order pies for, your, uh, for your, the people who work for you, um, you can do so. And those pies will be delivered. You can have a choice of a date of December 9 or December 18. If your order is 25 pies or more, you can have them delivered directly to your business. If they're uh, less than that, you would pick them up at Habitat for Humanity office, which is on Culver Road. Um, if you're interested in the corporate, please let me know, because there's a little bit different way of ordering this, and uh, we, can, we can work that out for you. So remember, next week we will start with the sales. I hope to see all of you there. Thank you. Thanks, Diane. Bruce, would you prepare us for service?
Praise the Lord. Praise God. Oh, my soul, let us praise God as long as we live. Happy are those whose hope is in God, who labor in steadfast faith and love. Grace to you and peace from God whose care we know. Worship now, giving to God all that belongs to God. Let us worship God. Please join me, friends, in the prayer of the day. All our lives are full of your mercy, O God. Wherever we turn, you are sure to be there. 
if we are found in the depths of depression, you lift up our spirits with the hope of new life. When we bound to the heights of ecstasy, you rejoice with us and make our feet light. You surround us with your spirit who knows our needs before we announce them. We give you all praise, O God of life. Please receive our worship this day as an offering of our gratitude, receptiveness to your leading, and willingness to be your disciples. For Christ's sake, amen. We have not always been perfect people, and so corporately we use these printed words to confess our sin to God. Lord God, forgive us. Lost in ourselves, we dwell endlessly on yesterday's embarrassment, last week's anger, and today's grief. Lost in our domain, it is hard to see beyond yesterday's fighting, last week's suspicion, and today's fear. Lost in our fantasy, it is tempting to live in yesterday's illusions. We have become lost in the dark maze of poor decisions, the common denominator of low expectations and uninspired behavior. Please shine your light of forgiveness and hope on us so that we will not continue to walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Thanks be to God. friends. Our gospel lesson for today is taken from Matthew 22, and I invite you to hear God's word to you as Jesus teaches the Pharisees, the Herodians, and us. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what Jesus said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then Jesus said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then Jesus said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left Jesus and went away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome forward, our young people. 
I think that was some of the most wonderful singing we've ever heard in here. And you know what else? I know it's going to be special next Sunday. There are going to be children singing with the adult choir right up here up front. That's going to be special too. Hey, I have some pictures. Um, If I gave you a choice of having a picture of Mr. Hamilton or Mr. Washington like George Washington, you would probably say you'd rather have a picture of Abraham Lincoln. I figured somebody would like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. What, what I have, I have a picture in here. This is my picture of uh, George Washington. I know, a dollar bill, yes. He's, he's a picture of George here, right? Yeah. This is, he looks kind of well-worn in this picture. Uh, this picture is a picture of Mr. Hamilton. Most people like Mr. Hamilton better than Mr. Washington once they see these pictures. In parts of the world, by the way, this picture is called Big Head Money because the head is bigger. Can you see? Yeah. yeah. But there's something very important. A long time ago, on... Um, Roman coins. They didn't have a picture of presidents, but they had a picture of the emperor who was Caesar Augustus for a while. And his picture was there. And it said that he was God. But you know, whether or not you have a $1 bill or a $10 bill or a 20 or a 50, there's something you can read on these bills. Right here it says, in God we trust. See that? What did you else did you notice on a one dollar bill? A small spider that's hiding. Yeah, that's probably true. It looks like oh, look at all the little spider webs on the thing. See, that's what I always yeah. Well, you find you find in God we trust even on your coins, and there's a reason. Do you have any idea why it says in God we trust on the money? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably pretty good. Oh, and you know? Yeah, e pluribus unum. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It does say that. But I think it says, in God we trust. But I have a theory about this. My theory is, on the money it says, don't trust in this. Because this could sometimes lead you astray or... You could spend your money in ways that wouldn't be good. It's probably best to keep your trust in God. God won't let you down. So that's kind of an interesting message on the money. Let's pray about this. Lord God, we give you thanks that even in our country we have messages about trusting you on our money. Sometimes we don't do that. We trust a lot of things, but not always you. Forgive us for that and help us to trust you more every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great time in Sunday school today.
Last uh, Sunday, we took you on a little journey to take a look at the mission that this church does in Kenya. And so when people saw the screen here, said, well, where are we going to go this week? Well, we're going to mostly stay here, but we'll travel around a little bit to talk about the ministry and and program and mission life of this congregation. And then uh, we'll have one more presentation to give you, and that'll be done by Rob Rhodes next week, and he'll give you facts and figures and things. One of the things that Rob Rhodes figured out was how many meetings we have in this building annually. It's in the thousands. I was hoping he would report on how many gallons of coffee we consume annually as a congregation, which would probably be in the thousands too, for all I know. But I thought, well, we'll just talk a little bit about encouragement to be light. Let me see if that I can straighten out the picture just a little, maybe. A little more. Not why I wanted to go. Barnabas, that's the name you've been hearing for the last few weeks. He was a New Testament follower of Jesus, and his name means son of encouragement. Um, He was encouraging others all the time. And he wanted people to be lights in a world that seemed to be dark. And we want to do the same here at First Presbyterian Church. We've had this fall series where we have been looking at uh, encouragement to be lights. And here we are encouraging each other to encourage others today. And then we'll be encouraging giving next week, followed by kind of a celebration of light on the first Sunday of November. Well, of communion then, too. This happens to be the mission statement of this congregation adopted by the session. We are a caring community growing spiritually as disciples of Jesus Christ. Together, we spread the good news of Jesus through worship, fellowship, education, prayer, and especially mission. And we do. We spread good news as we worship God, and we are encouraged to do that, even with our children who led us not only in music this morning, but have done that at other times. And this is just a picture of their musical about Jonah. There have been lots of ways in which we worship, and uh, we've had challenges at times. Um, Ten years ago, um, this room burned. was open to the sky. Uh, Roof fell into the ceiling, ceiling into the sanctuary, and the floor was cracked. And really, people from this congregation rebuilt this building. A lot of people said to us, why don't you just take a little insurance money and go buy land somewhere and put another building where there's a lot of good parking? (laughs) That'd be real help. (laughs) But the people from this congregation said this, God has called us to be in this village. And so that's where our community's going to be. And we worship here whether it's with our voices or with other instruments like our bells. We also have fellowship one with another, and one of the groups that has fellowship on Friday nights once a month uh, are really our our optimists. Um, They have wonderful programs and a dinner, uh, and as good as the dinner is and the, the programs are, I think the fellowship is what's best and uh, sitting around tables and talking to each other. 
We have a lot of other ways in which there's fellowship that happens. You probably are aware we have two scout troops that we sponsor, Troop 341, which has about 80 scouts, and about almost 50 scouts in Troop 171. We hold their charter. By the way, they had them. The scouts were in our building uh, last Saturday, uh, all of Troop 341, and they brought laptops from home, and they brought their printers and scanners and so forth, and they spent the entire day here, morning, afternoon, and evening, scanning and digitizing all the pictures that this church has collected since we began. It was an incredible gift to First Presbyterian Church. You hold their charter, but they know that you exist as a congregation. And sometimes it's not just Boy Scouts. We have Girl Scouts that gather in our building too. And they do special things like uh, they have a big celebration when they make gingerbread houses about a hundred gingerbread houses for Christmas. I like to sample the gingerbread houses personally. If you talk about children, there are two names that come forward always, and they are Susie and Matt Wall. Uh, Susie is about the biggest encourager of anyone I know, and Matt is... He's a party waiting to happen. But Matt... <laughs> Matt is... is so wonderful and and Matt loves the children right that is so evident and clear our senior highs tend not to be here with us they're meeting upstairs in the youth room it's very creative and colorful and they, they study there for indeed here at First Presbyterian Church the studying of God's word is important are you aware that we actually have Bible studies going on every day of the week except Saturday So there's always a place to study God's Word. And mostly when our children leave here, they're going to Sunday school. It's a place where we also gather to pray. We have prayer teams that meet weekly and pray for others. Uh, There are times when we have opportunities for silent prayer, like in the chapel upstairs, and we get ready during the season of Lent to have prayer there. But there are other places to pray here, too. One of my favorites is to go to the garden that is out this way where a number of cremains of our members are buried. And I'm there almost every day for prayer. Or I come in here. Um, one day, I got a, Doris took the phone, and a phone call came in the church, and she said, uh, a woman did, is, is Reverend Boke there? And Doris said, well, yes, he's here in the church building, but I think he's over in the sanctuary praying. And the woman said, would you please tell him to get to work? And, <laughs> and Doris said, I, I think he's doing that now. And, uh, it's a great place for prayer. And sometimes worship is not as we tend to stop and think about it, but we do have weddings and funerals here. Last year, 28 funerals were held here. And a uh, number of weddings. This happened to be the wedding of uh, a daughter to... Uh, Hezzy and Anne-Marie Simmons. We have a large church staff that really helps our ministry take place. I thought it's not been very often you've seen all of their names listed at once, but there's a large staff of people who your giving really does support so that we can help you do your ministry. Um, If you could also see their pictures, um, of course you know Carrie and I, we don't see as often in the front here Craig, who is full-time employed with us, does Christian education, 
or Joel Truax, who does our youth ministry. James Douthit and Bruce Frank, you usually don't see them because they're up in a balcony somewhere. And Didi, I think you are the employee here who has been here at First Presbyterian Church the longest. How many years? Do you know? You started in 1983, so we can figure that out. Seska Corin takes care of our finances for us. She's absolutely wonderful. Doris is the person you encounter when you call the church office. And, and for a long time, Ernie was our custodian and Sexton. And when Ernie retired, people were really, really upset because we could never find anybody like Ernie. But then God brought John O'Flaherty to us. And people now say, how could God be so wonderful to bring John O'Flaherty here? Because John is a wonderful custodian. He loves taking care of this building. And the most fun person on the entire staff is Bill Mullins, and most of you don't know him. He's also one of our other custodians. He's absolutely terrific. Last week we did talk a little bit about mission and where we go, and, and mission went to Kenya. But sometimes mission actually starts here with things like the heifer fair. Uh, this is Faith the Cow. You will see Faith the Cow as we enter the winter. And uh, our children are involved in raising funds for Heifer Fair. But that's not the only place that mission happens around here. It's not just far away. We do things nearby. We build habitat houses. We tend to build one every other year, and we do it in a project called HIP, Habitat in Partnership. So it's not just Presbyterians, but it's Lutherans and Episcopalians and Roman Catholics who build together with Jews and Muslims. Last year, during October-November, as a part of our stewardship emphasis, we had you bring food into the church. The largest donation of food last year received by Pittsburgh Food Cupboard was that food drive. And the Pittsburgh Food Cupboard was started by this congregation, just like Pittsburgh Youth Services was started by First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. Most of you did hear a little bit about Kenya, but you didn't know that Dale Pollock was helping build a medical clinic over in Ethiopia during the summer. Or that we do other things like the Greater Rochester Council of Churches, where um, you see people carrying the cross. That's, uh, that's an event that was part of a fundraising effort, and many of your mission dollars went to help support this. Um, there are people who are sufficiently poor that when there's a death in the city of Rochester, there's no place to bury someone, and so you have bought burial plots so that people can be buried. You've given scholarships to the children that you see there on the upper left. Grace House, you probably know very little bit about. That's a ministry of this congregation. And that provides care for men coming out of prison. And a number of our members volunteer weekly at Grace House. That's Randy Hunter. He's guarding the full body pillows at the uh, penny pincher sale. And a penny pincher sale helps provide for some of the ministry. Long time ago, that's you, Didi. You were one of the Pointer Sisters. And you know where that is? That's Rabawi, Mozambique. And that's young Kurt Herge. 
and Kurt's dad was there. And we're looking at this very, very poor place in Rabawi. And Kurt says, you know, I grew up in Jamaica, and it's as poor there as it is here. And it's closer to us. We should do something in Jamaica to help the very poor who live in Riverton. Now, you probably don't know much about Riverton. That's Kurt Hurge in the upper left. And what you see there is what Riverton, Jamaica, looks like. That is the source of their drinking water as well as what they leave in the toilet. It is not a gorgeous, beautiful place. And when you hear that our youth are headed to Jamaica, they are not going to the beach as people in this congregation sometimes complain to me we're sending them to the beach. We are not. Riverton, Jamaica is the only community on the island where U.S. Marines are not permitted to go. It's too dangerous. It's because if something happened to one of our U.S. Marines, it would become an international incident. But when our youth go there, because of the ministry we do in Riverton, they are welcomed and embraced and protected by the people who live there. And we do a ministry with their children. That ministry was started when um, a week, what Kurt called uh, Father Grenier in Jamaica and Monsignor Richard Albert. Uh, we got to encounter Monsignor Albert of the St. Patrick's Foundation through Christiane Anandpour. If you know who she is, she's, you sometimes see her on the news. She referred to uh, Monsignor Richard Albert, who you see sitted, sitting here, as a Father Pinkhead. That's what the people in Jamaica call him. And he had a ministry to Riverton on the garbage dump. And uh, we agreed to meet him at St. Patrick's Cathedral on St. Patrick's Day in New York, where he had come to raise money for the St. Patrick's Foundation and the children of Jamaica. So we met him with the idea we had people who had had construction projects here in Pittsburgh, and we could build something there in Jamaica for the children in Riverton. He said, let me think about it and meet me tomorrow at St. Monica's. So we met him at St. Monica's the following day, and he said, it'd be wonderful to have you build something for us, but I would wish you wouldn't. I, I really would rather you come here with your children and have your children work with our children that they might know Christ together. And so the jazzy ministry was started. And we work with hundreds of children in Jamaica. Some of their Olympic sports stars come to the camp. Um, Olympic sprinters. We have been visited there by the Jamaican bobsled team, among others. Uh, the last time I was there, Johan Blake came by. You probably don't know anything about Johan Blake. Um, Johan Blake is the only man to have beaten the fastest man in the world, Hussein Bolt. I took a picture of this girl, and I said to her, I'm going to take your picture today, and uh, as I go to take your picture, I want a wonderful smile. So I want you to think about the most beautiful thought you can think of and then give me the smile that you would give me because that's what you're thinking. 
So I took her picture, and then I said to her, can you tell me what you were thinking about that made you smile? And she said, Taylor Frank, who is a young man from this congregation who had gone there on a mission trip. You take care of people through your gifts to St. Joseph's Healthcare in Rochester, and many of you have been to PDA camps, Presbyterian Disaster Assistance. We sent eight teams from here to Purlington, Mississippi. You've been to Houma, Louisiana, and Nashville, Tennessee, and New Orleans, and Binghamton, New York, and Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. You probably were not aware. You know how many homes were underwater three years ago in Binghamton? 22,000. So we had teams of people who went from this congregation, built uh, showers and restrooms in the basement of a Presbyterian church there and used that as home base to help people clean their homes and rebuild them in Binghamton. When we first went to Purlington, we went to help people rebuild their lives there. And um, this little girl came up to me and I said, you come to help me build? And she said, I, she said yes. I said, do you have anything to help me build this house? And with that, she reached down and picked up the sand. That's Ron on the roof. Better him on the roof than me. Uh, here's a couple that were also in Binghamton the first time we went down. That's Jamie Harrison on the left and Brittany. And they, they were there as they were dating and then they became married. And I will break the news to you that Jeanette broke to us this week. This couple is now married and they're expecting their first baby. So Jeanette's going to be a grandma. We want to become Barnabas encouragers of light. And we hope that we are a church that will reflect purpose as a caring community as we encourage each other to grow together spiritually as disciples of Christ. We want to become lights to the world with good news through our, our worship, our fellowship, our education, our prayer life, and our mission. We are to be Barnabas encouragers whose witness of all of these things will make the world brighter, especially as we give of our time and our talent and our treasure. I encourage you to be light.
Jesus wisdom, costly cross, grace shattered door. Gifted by you, we turn to you, offering up ourselves in praise. Thankful song. Acts 15. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the believers at every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul decided not to take with them the one who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not accompanied them in the work. The disagreement became so sharp that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and set out, the believers commending him to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Paul himself writes to the church at Thessalonica, and I invite you to hear God's word to you. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath 
that is coming. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, these are a lot of texts for us to explore. I don't think we're going to get through them, but there are some messages that hopefully will um, come through. Uh, It was a real downer, by the way, to read some of these Bible passages that we read today, particularly this one where uh, Paul and Barnabas don't seem to see eye to eye very well. Um, So there's like a split in the church, like some congregations have had, and uh, they too go separate ways. And I thought there's nothing really much positive here. Um, Apparently, Paul didn't think real highly of John Mark, uh, and so he decided, no, I don't want him to tag along. Barnabas said, but he's a good person. Let him come with me. It's all right. If you want to have him, you can have him, but we can't, you can't be a part of my ministry then. And so they split ways. But actually, if you read through the Bible a little further, you will discover that the Apostle Paul requests, begs to have John Mark join him in ministry later. Something happened because of the encouragement of Barnabas. That really changed so much. And that's good news. By the way, if I don't say it enough, I really do like what the Apostle Paul does when he writes to most all of the churches. He says, thank you. It's very typical of Apostle Paul. We did it in this text that Carrie read for us. Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you constantly in our prayers. I don't say thank you to you nearly enough. And that should change. Because saying thank you might encourage you to do more of what you do already so well. Thank you for making this place a place of prayer and welcome. Thank you for the mission you do. Thank you for serving others, even when you may not feel particularly appreciated. A fictitious story, brief. Woman made a phone call to the Presbyterian church in town and asked to speak to the pastor. When he was on the line between some light sobbing, she asked if he'd be willing to officiate at the funeral of her beloved Doberman pincer, Fluffy. Fluffy had died. He said, I can't do that, ma'am. Why don't you try the Baptist church or the Roman Catholic priest down the street would probably be able to help. She said, well, all right. But would you be so kind enough to provide a little advice? How much should I pay them for during the funeral a uh, thousand, two thousand, three thousand. <laughs> he said, just a minute, ma'am. I, I didn't realize that Fluffy was a Presbyterian. <laughs> Before you get too far in the message today, you're going to find we bump up against hypocrisy. What a moral failing that is. It often has to do with greed, and it can be particularly egregious among religious leaders. It usually refers to false appearance of virtue, not practicing what we preach. 
Therefore, it's a particularly common failure among clergy like me. It's also one of the main reasons cited by people for leaving congregations or abandoning their faith altogether. Those church people claim to be so good and pious, they're really just the opposite. I can't stand being around hypocrites like that. And criticism like that can often be very well deserved. It can also be an excuse. And you need to know the difference. I mean, we're human. We don't always practice what we preach. There are some matters which are very complicated. One day, I was moved by the phrase by Ernest Campbell. I used to play handball with Dr. Campbell. He was pastor of the Riverside Church in New York City, and he would come down to where I was going to school and look for someone he could beat up on in the handball court, and I was usually uh, willing uh, because I knew that there would be some kind of gem to learn from Dr. Campbell in the locker room later. He used a phrase which has stuck with me for a long time. The phrase is this, tolerable hypocrisy. It comes out of a comment to a question. How will we ever enjoy other people without a tolerance for hypocrisy? Most pastors have heard some form or other, you know, the thing that puts me off about the church is so many characters in it. And as much as that keeps us at arm length, it is one of the few institutions that dare to be open with their invitations. I hope you will be patient with me as I make this confession to you. I have never been the pastor of a church in which I would have chosen all of the members. I want to add to that. I have never been the pastor of a church in which all of the members would have chosen me. So we're thrown into it, and we need a little more compassion. There was Jesus. He was thrown into a real tussle. To whom should they pay taxes? The Pharisees and the Herodians were in league with Herod. They thought they had a winning hand when they posed a question to Jesus about paying taxes to Rome. Teacher, they said this very hypocritically. We know that you're a man of integrity. You teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us, in your opinion... Is it right to pay taxes, the imperial tax to Caesar, or not? It's a no-win situation. If Jesus counseled against paying taxes, he'd be in trouble with the Romans. If he spoke in favor of paying the tax, the common people would be enraged. His enemies would have him just where they wanted him. But Jesus could see through their intent, and posing this question, he said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius, and he asked them, And whose image is this? Very smart man, Jesus. He knew that it was against the law 
the Jewish law for any Jew to be carrying a graven image, even if it was on a coin, especially a coin that said, Caesar is God on it. Caesar's, they replied. Then give back to Caesar what Caesar's and to God what is God's. And when his enemies heard this, Matthew tells us they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. Sometimes we just don't understand the importance of that. Tom was in his swimming trunks. He was wearing them when he left the water's edge in Ocean City, New Jersey and approached a young lady who was soaking up the sun's rays on the beach on that hot July day. Tom was carrying a towel and his trunks were covered with sand. His parents were at a distance and had told him to swim in front of the lifeguard and so he had wandered closer to be in front of the lifeguard stand. He politely asked this strange young lady in her two-piece black and magenta swimsuit, Excuse me, do you believe in God? She's kind of surprised at the question, but she shields her eyes. She lifts up on one elbow and she says, Why, yes, I do. Do you go to church on Sunday? It's a very easy question to ask in Ocean City, New Jersey, by the way. It's kind of a Methodist town. The main street of town is Asbury Avenue. The next street over is Wesley Avenue. I remember standing on a street corner one time there, and a man said to me, this is very much a Methodist community. There's Wesley, there's Asbury. I said, well, no, it's very Presbyterian. There's First Street, Second Street, and Third Street over here. (laughs) So in Ocean City, it's not too bad to say, do you go to church on Sunday? And her answer was, yes. Do you read your Bible and do you pray? She smiled and said, well, yes. She was more curious than perturbed by the Inquisition, but she watched this big sigh of relief. It just exhaled out of Tom Trivesey, who had one more question. Then would you hold my dollar and keep it safe while I go in the ocean? My parents told me not to go in except in front of the lifeguard, and you are a lot closer to him now than they are. And she said, I'll be happy to keep your dollar safe. He was checking to see if she could be trusted. And then he had another question. Um, And if the man with the ice cream sandwiches comes walking near here, would you let me know? And she said yes. Tom Trivesey was straightforward. He was honest in his questions because he wanted to entrust to this young lady something that was valuable. The Pharisees and the Herodians were not honest. They have no intent to entrust Jesus with anything. They are not looking for an answer to a question. They don't want someone to hold their dollar. They are looking for a way to get rid of this troublemaking Nazarene Jesus.
Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. We owe, we owe God something. We owe God our lives, our money, our gratitude. We owe God our service. And we owe God who we are. The editorial staff of a Sunday magazine at one time created a Faith and Life Award. You know, it's one of those little magazines you get that's inserted into the, the newspaper. It, it usually appears in the Sunday edition. This was their way of increasing their readership, they hoped, at the same time recognize those who had somehow demonstrated some goodness in their daily living. The readers were encouraged to submit letters of nomination to the paper telling stories about people who had best lived faith in their daily lives. Large number of nominated letters came in that mentioned people who had attended church regularly for years, had given a sizable amount of money to their church for their favorite charity, had, had done both. Uh, often they included newspaper clippings with their submission. But people were surprised when the first winner of this award was announced. The letter of nomination had arrived at the paper, written in crayon, no newspaper clippings attached. The letter read this way. Anthony is a plumber. He helps some people fix up a house for my friend's family because their first house burned. He also visits my grandmother in the nursing home and makes her happy when he tells his stories and plays his harmonica. He is a lot like Jesus. I hope he wins. But if he doesn't, it won't matter. He will still be the same good old Anthony. And it was signed, Love, Anne. I like that. Makes my grandmother happy with his stories and his harmonica playing. He's a lot like Jesus. I've known a lot of people in this church that are like Anthony the plumber. I thank you for your ministry. You make the world a brighter place. Even on dreary looking fall days like this one, the light of Christ still shines. And if you think so, there's a prayer here we can use today. We have rendered to Caesar much that we do not care to give, O God. Now we give back to you a portion of the gifts that are yours, all truly belong to you. Bless and use our resources, both what we bring for ministry and mission through this fellowship and what we keep to support ourselves and provide for those we love so dearly. Gracious God, it is in thanksgiving for your revealing of yourself to us in Jesus that we choose to make known to others the good news of the gospel. We dedicate ourselves and commit ourselves to showing Christ's caring and compassion in practical, loving ways to others. Please bless our giving and guide our serving, we pray. Amen.
seated, friends. Well, if you were wondering why the chancel is so heavily laden with beautiful flowers this morning, we have dedications and thanksgivings. Don and Julie Magnuson, we give thanks and praise for the beautiful arrangement on the re-table in memory of William Allen, and it's so good to have family here to celebrate with you. We also give thanks and praise to Claire Van Arsdale and the entire uh, family, her aunt's family, for Catherine Weisenbeck joined God in the Kingdom a while ago, and we will have her memorial service on November 15th at 10 a.m. here in our sanctuary. In Catherine's estate, she left a generous gift to this congregation. And so the beautiful white rose on the communion table is in memory and appreciation for her life and her giving. We also give thanks and praise for the life of Phyllis Wolfe, whose memorial service was celebrated here yesterday, and the purple flowers down below are from her memorial service. There is plenty of reason to give thanks and praise for God who gives healing to all when when that is needed. There are any number of surgeries that are coming up, and there are individuals who are recovering For example, Ginny Allen is at St. John's now, recovering from a TIA, and we give thanks that it was not more severe than that and that her family has been in the area so that she can have that support that she needs. We're also thankful for the care that's being given to Sue Kivitz's cousin, Dick Klukas. I hope I'm saying that right, Sue. Yes? Good. Uh, Who is suffering from Parkinson's disease, and we pray good caregivers in that particular instance. We're also thankful for the ways that God influences each of our world leaders, and we ask that that might continue so that we might have wisdom for our world leaders and peace. We have reason to rejoice. Bob Avery, you give thanks for a son who got married this weekend. So Dave and Sally Avery were united at Esperanza this weekend. And there are other places where we can find joy and grace, particularly when we come to God in prayer. I invite you to join me in prayer. God of wonders, in many and various ways, you speak to us, you encourage us. We look to follow the example of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Hear us then, as in his name we make our common supplications to you. Teach us to trust you. Quiet fears within us. Help us to be less self-centered. And help us to follow your commandments, to be a light to others. We pray on behalf of those for whom hope is a fantasy, and we ask the strength and support for the right words to comfort those who through deaths have lost a loved one or for reasons unknown could never count on a friend. Renew within us the commitment to stewardship for all of your creation so that all of our responses are a gratitude gift to the sacred truth that we inherit in Christ's name. To that end, We offer these prayers as taught by your Son, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Be lights in this world. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in the life everlasting. Amen.